0: I love being able to gather together with believers in Jesus Christ and celebrate the sufficiency of God. It's just an incredible thing, the fact that we have a God who's fully sufficient for every one of our needs... Uh, and that god has chosen to adopt us and call us his children and that's something that we celebrate that's something that's we're celebrating every day of our life the fact that our god who's fully sufficient and sovereign and fully in control and powerful has chosen to, chosen us to be his children and we get to we get to celebrate that we get to be a part of that well, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Um, well, God is good. If this is your first time here at Tri-Cities Church, uh, we do welcome you here. We're glad you chose to uh, worship with us this morning. It's an exciting morning because we're beginning a new series um, called You Asked For It. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, if, if you're visiting with us um, uh, or if this is your first time, uh, there's these cards in the seat in front of you. We'd just love to know that you're here and lo- love to know who you are and love to be, uh, praying for you and knowing how we can pray, um, for you, with you, connect with you. Um, just, just, uh, if you feel comfortable, fill out whatever information you feel, um, feel like filling out on those cards and, uh, after the message, uh, we'll do, um, when we share in communion, there's buckets on the table, you can just drop those in there. Also prayer requests, any of those, we love to, uh, we love to hear about what you're praying, um, praying through and we love to pray with you through that. Uh, and uh, also we love to hear uh, the stories of the way that uh, God answers prayers. You know, there's that scripture in Psalms uh, where it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I, I've always, ever since reading that scripture, and really spending some time there, it really says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their stories. To those who God is at work in their lives, uh, uh, weaving together this beautiful story of redemption, right? For those people, let them tell their story. Let them celebrate together with others what God has done in their lives. And so um, I love for us to be a community that together celebrates um, when God answers prayers and when He does something in our life, and so we love to even know about those kind of things. So you can fill out one of those cards and put, uh, "Hey, God answered. I've been praying for this a long time, and God answered it, and I'm celebrating that. And we will celebrate that with you because that's the God that we serve." Um, th- well, this morning we're beginning this series. It's simply called uh, "You Asked for It," and so for the last several weeks we've been, um, you've been an- uh, submitting questions um, that you've had about. Uh, just different things that you bump up against in the life of faith. The the reason I wanted to do this series uh, was simply because in my own life there were um, there were questions that I came across in my journey of faith, and um, things that just the answers weren't immediately clear to me, and um, and I never had really a, a way of. Um, I never had a way of like shaping the message that the preacher would preach, and so there were certain things I wanted to hear kind of a message on, and was curious to know what the Bible said about this and what the church said, um, and uh, and so uh, just from out of my own experience of of being there, being where you are. Uh, uh, I said, hey, let's, let's just do this series where people can ask, ask, ask questions, and, uh, and we will together wrestle through those questions. Now, let me, let me just say, um, uh, a lot of these questions um, that came in are, uh, like w- a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Scripture and the way we view uh, Scripture in the Bible, Uh, and there's some things that are essential for us to believe in, right? And we still talk about those even in our belief statements as a church, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's essential that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's something that we're not going to, uh, debate on. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to question. We're not going to bend on, on the fact that Jesus was born, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, right? There's no debating with that, on that. But there's some other questions that different People who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who who live uh, fully into the Christian life, right? That that people who do that disagree on, and so some of these come down to that. And so this morning, um, the topic that we're looking at is is faith and, and science. Um, and the question was, uh, how should Christians view the relationship between faith and science? Do they contradict each other? And more specifically, how should we think about things like the age of the Earth, the Origin of Species, evolution and those kinds of, of things? And so let, let me just offer a little bit of a disclaimer before we get into our message this morning. Uh, I met my wife in a science class. I was not paying attention. Just let me just throw that out there. We met in a science class, the only I think the only science class I took in college, right? but Because I had to meet the lady of my dreams. God knew what he was doing um. But uh yeah so so I I you know when it comes to when it comes down to science I I fall a little bit short uh but we're going to wrestle with this uh this question uh this morning and uh, we're going to see uh more more clearly how how Christians can live in a world where um, where science is advancing as at a rate um, I think it's far beyond our our imagination yeah All right so let's pray and then we'll get into our message this morning God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity to uh, begin this series where we uh, get to address questions that sometimes weigh heavy on our hearts and affect the way we live in this world. God, I just pray that as we do this, that you will help us, one, to approach this series Um, With our eyes turned towards you, knowing that you are the God of creation, that this is your world, that you created it, that you know how it works best, that you have a hand in this world and in our lives in particular, and that your hand is busy at work in our world so that our eyes can be turned to you. And God, there's all kinds of distractions in this world, things that pull us away from, uh, from responsibility, things that pull us away from the scriptures, things that pull us away from you. And God, I just pray that this morning that we will um, that we'll see how even things like science have done that and how it doesn't have to pull us away from you, but rather can point us to you, the God of creation. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray, Amen. All right. Well, there's some things in our in our world that um, that that uh, that are unexplainable. There's some things that are uh, just even science, the the best, um, most uh, brilliant minds in our world have not fully been able to to wrap their their hands around um, things like. Um, uh, like yawning, right? Um, uh, we all do it, right? <laughs> and, and we don't really know why. Even scientists have tried to figure out why humans yawn. And we can understand, to some degree, why yawning seems contagious. Have you ever thought that was true? That, I mean, it really is true. It's because of... Um, I see somebody yawning right now. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Uh-oh. When you get bored... <clears throat> Uh, so hopefully i 'm not boring you yet, but when you get bored, oftentimes we we yawn and, and it 's contagious because this emotional connection that we have in fact, they say that you can um, you can tell the level of your emotional connection with other humans by whether or not you yawn in response to other people uh, who are who are yawning but there's it's just a a thing that scientists have tried to wrap their minds around and they they can't fully do it we don't understand why humans yawn there's all kinds of ideas and theories and thoughts about it but we just don't understand it right Um, another thing that's that our world is is kind of uh, shaped around people who are right-handed because nine out of ten people are are right-handed but every now and then you get some I'm sure we have people in this room who are left-handed, and um, that is a gift. That Yeah, that, that is a gift. You are a special person if you are left-handed. Yeah, yeah. I see one special person raising their hair. Yeah, I see a couple of them back there. Yep, yeah, yeah. A couple of lefties. Yeah, go. All right, is there we got some lefties in the building. Um, I, I'm not one, so I, can, uh, I can't. I can't. I'm not along with you, but I feel sorry for you because, you know, when you write it, um, <clears throat> from my understanding, with pencils it kind of smears. Uh But, but for some, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but for some reason, uh, nine, nine out of ten people are, are right-handed. and We don't understand why some people are left-handed. or, or not. And even stuff like gravity, right? Something so common um, that has an effect in our, in our world. If I were to pick up my Bible, and I'm not going to drop it on the ground, but if I were to let go of it here, you know, it's just going to fall down because gravity has an effect on everything. I was watching last night, actually, that movie um, Martian, and, uh, you know, and they're up on the moon and just thinking about living in a, in a kind of this weightless, Oh, uh, oh yeah, they were up on. on they weren't on the moon. Oh. <clears throat> they were on Mars. I tell you, boy, if I if I had never taken that biology class, listen, listen, God knows how to orchestrate certain things. If I wouldn't have taken a biology class, I would not have had someone to uh, spell check me, grammar check me, check me in every way, and uh, make sure that I stay on track. But it's it. it uh, God uses God uses something like why do I have to go to biology to get you to where you need to be right but there's these things I'm getting back on track there's these things that no matter how how um how much time and effort and thought we put into it we just can't understand them we just can't wrap our minds around them and so historically a lot of people have thought about god as the god of the gaps right it's the god that fills in these gaps of understanding or lack of understanding so there's these things in our world that we can't fully understand and and what people have done historically is they've kind of they've said um that God is God of the gaps, and so uh, this is just the way God intended it to be. Uh, if, if they were believers in God, they say, hey, I don't understand why things are this way. I don't know why God made me this way. I don't know why our world works this way. Science can't understand it. It can't explain it. This is just the way God, or if you're not a believer in God, fate would have it right that's just the way it is and so god was used to fill in those gaps and say this is the world that we live in because god would would have it that way now in the 19th century uh, evolution emerged as a as a um, as a theory an idea uh, that sought to fill in these gaps right it was this uh if you know the story of charles darwin went to the galapagos island he noticed that from island to island that different species looked differently and in fact they seemed to a to the environment that they were in. And all this got him to thinking, and I don't understand fully the science behind it, but he began to look into it and do this research. And he came up with this theory of evolution, this fact that things began to adapt in the question of to what degree have those things adapted and from what have they adapted over the generations and years. Uh, And so he was trying to fill in this gap. And Now, what happened with evolution um, is that it became a wedge that began to drive science and the church apart. Science and Christian faith apart. And it didn't have to be that way. And what we see happening is that certain people began to use science like evolution. And then later the Big Bang Theory that certain people... And I like that show, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to stay on track. I see Sheldon and myself too much. I should probably admit that if you watch that show. Um, I see myself in Sheldon, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it began, scientists began to use things like some of y'all are laughing because y'all are like, I see it too. Um, science, oh boy. Um, So some use things like science to try to invalidate the scriptures. To begin saying uh, that God is not true and that his word is not true because here's what we've researched. Here's what we've been able to wrap our minds around. And this is what we've learned. And this contradicts the scriptures. And then there were others in the church that began to respond defensively and began to put up a wall, a guard, a protection uh, against science. And the two became enemies with one another, in, in a sense, where the church was saying, this is my faith, this is the God I believe in, this is the wall around me, uh, because I'm not going to allow science to infiltrate right, and to take my faith away. And then there's others that are saying that if the church has put up that wall, if Christian faith has put up that wall and is not making space for what I've uh, learned and discovered to be true, then I don't want to have anything to do with that kind of church or that kind of faith. And and so we begin to see this wedge going between the two, and it didn't have to be that way. Um, Because what science became... Uh, it became a tool that used things like evolution, that used things like the Big Bang Theory, and things that, that scientists had not quite wrapped their minds around, but had some understanding of, used it to try to dismantle Christian faith. Now, the problem there was not evolution. The problem there was not the Big Bang Theory, The problem there was not science at all, rather the problem was the way science was used by individuals who did not have faith to try to destroy Christian faith and to tear it down. And what we see in the, if we read the Bible, and if we study the Bible, and if we go back to the the roots of what the scriptures are teaching us, that the Bible is an adequate book for building faith in human beings, but the Bible is not a scientific textbook. It's just not. The Bible was never intended to be that way, but out of the Enlightenment, we began to see this division that was happening, and we wanted to hold the Bible up, hold the scriptures up as teaching us uh, science adequately, when rather the scriptures were trying to teach us, point us to God himself. That's what God is primarily concerned about. God is primarily concerned about people in this world, of this world, living in this world, coming to know him better. God, um, I don't want to say it too strongly, but God... I'm going to say it like the way it came to my mind, right? God could care less rather you, uh, whether or not you understand the mechanics of this world, right? God is primarily concerned with whether or not you respond to him in faith. And so what the goal and the purpose of Scripture was was not saying, hey, all right, I, God wasn't saying, hey, I want you to understand, and, and, I, and I've wrestled with this all week. Um, God wasn't saying, hey, I want you to understand the mechanics of this world. Like, I want you to understand why rain happens, right? And so scripture's not going to say uh, rain happens when, a, a, I don't know, the clouds, the cumulus cloud kind of comes in. We got some some uh, people that that would understand that kind of stuff. Kind of comes in, and it turns gray, and it, you know, it, it says, the scriptures will tell us, uh <laughs> That's, that's my, that's my life. Great clouds means rain's coming, right? Um, and what God is going, what God is going to say is that God made it rain. Right? God made it rain, um, but but it, and it's not going to explain to us the science of that, right? But the fact that that comes from God, that happens because there's a God, and what Scripture is trying to get us to see is there's a God who created this world, and that God who created this world is sovereign. But it's not trying to get us to see the science behind creation, right? That's not the goal of Scripture. It's not going to get us to say, uh, "Well, let me just." I, I got this. um I'm going to read this from this from the screen. Genesis chapter two, verse four through six. I think it's yeah. yeah. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. And there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. This is the creation story, right, in Genesis chapter 2. Not the one in chapter 1, but the one in chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed man... Uh, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there was a tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? That's that's the creation story. And, And what's the goal of that story, right? God did it. God was there, you weren't. No one else was, right? And this was the hand of God creating the world. Now, this is guy Nick Lane. I don't know if y'all listen to Radio Lab, and I thought it was cool that this was um, this was Radio Lab just this past week. It was a it's a podcast. You can find it on iTunes, or you can just Google Radio Lab and, and Google, and you can come up on the website. Uh, it's a podcast that explores scientific questions. Just this week, they had one uh, called uh, Cellmates and the topic this week was uh talking about evolution and the way cells come together and they had this guy uh Nick Young and this other guy Ed no Nick Lane and this other guy Ed Young that were on there and they were discussing science and it was a fascinating podcast you should listen to it because they had like um, they had sound effects and all kinds of things to just make it very exciting but listen to Nick Lane and I'm not going to read this whole quote but listen to what he says about um evolution and um, the um, the origin of species. All morphologically complex life on earth beyond the level of cyanobacteria is eukaryotic. eukaryotic. I can't even pronounce these words. All eukaryotes share a common ancestor that was already a complex cell. Despite their biochemistry virtuosity prokaryotes show little tendency to evolve eukaryotic traits or large genomes all right so i'm I'm just gonna stop there because this is a long quote this is the beginning of a paper that he wrote but what i want you to see um, is that there's a difference between science and scripture there's a difference between the writing that is used in scripture and the kind of writing that is used in science and what God wasn't trying to get us to see is how he spoke and through the power of his words brought cells together in a miraculous way like they couldn't have and how God continued speaking and he brought cells together to form the complex structures of this world and how God continued speaking and out of the death of God himself, the greatest scientist right to ever live God created things so deep and so complex, and so confusing that even the greatest minds of our times cannot even understand something so simple as yawning, right? And that's the God we serve. Right? The God who's able to create in a way that makes mysteries beyond understanding. There's that scripture, and I don't even know where it is, uh, but there's one of these doxologies, and it says something like, oh, how great the mind of God. And that's what we're seeing happening here, right? At the creation of the world, how great the mind of God that he could confuse us, perplex us, create something uh, in a way that even the greatest minds in science cannot Understand it. You see, God wasn't trying to teach us how the world was created. Rather, he wants us to know who created the world we live in. He wants us to know who can control the world we live in. He wants us to know who has power over the world we live in, in the story. And he wants us turning our eyes to him and saying, God, you did this, and I want to know you. Right? And what ends up happening, though, and this is just human curiosity especially, we, we've all been shaped by, we talked several weeks ago about the Enlightenment, uh, a period of time where um, science began to gain uh, prominence, priority over uh, even religion and human tradition and those kinds of things. Uh, and, and out of that, we were shaped as a people who want to know why. And, and that time, and this is the way I, I see it, but, you know, we can, we can have this in discussion, but the way I always see the Enlightenment, um, is, it's looked at a time where we, be- our world became a lot more advanced and a lot more intellectual. But something happened out of the Enlightenment that makes us a lot more, uh, infantile, um, and more like children. And that's that we began to ask question, after question everything was up for question right we began to ask question after question like kids you know why 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 you know why is it this way why is this way and and our curiosity has in many ways led us away from god because we live in a world where there's answers for everything and when there's not an answer for some reason that's led people to distrust god instead of saying. I believe there's a God who created it and all answers are in his hand and that the mind of God can answer it all. You see, I believe uh, uh, firmly that both science and the Bible can have a mutually beneficial relationship. In fact, they can work in cooperation with one another. In fact, you could even say um, whether a scientist claims to be atheist, agnostic or not, you could say that a scientist, in order to be a good scientist, must believe in God. A good scientist must believe in science, if, in God. In fact, it's impossible to do good science without belief in God, because here's the thing. If you, if you ever study science, and I got at least this much, and, and, um, I, uh, when I was in science, science classes, um, but that science depends upon laws, right? There have to be laws. There's a law of whatever the one that pops in my mind law law of thermodynamics there's a law of thermodynamics so there's newton's law or whatever science all depends on laws and laws are regularities right things that have to be regular in other words they have to operate in a certain way every time right consistently so that i can formulate a law around this for instance, um, every time we get in a plane, right? Whether what, what uh scientists aren't sitting there testing the air, every time a plane takes off saying, is air today the same as air yesterday? Um, but they know that air is the same every single day and that when a plane takes off is dealing with the same situation every time that it takes off. Same thing with a doctor. When a doctor goes in to perform operation or surgery, they're not going, well, what kind of blood is this today? Like, it, it, you know, blood is the same every single day. And so there are certain laws and, and um, scientific laws that govern the way the human body works, or the one that kept popping in my mind, I probably shouldn't say this. Um, but um, uh, if you're on Herschel Drive, right, Um, uh, and you're coming up towards our church, right? And it changes over to Dotson, right? When you cross over Washington Road and there's a bump there. When I was first learning to drive, I used to like to speed up right before I crossed through that light uh, because you almost become, and I did once become airborne, right? And I had no fear that my car was going to just continue soaring into the heavens, right? Because gravity works every single day the same Way, right? Because there's a law of gravity, right? That gravity works and science is orchestrated around these regularities. The fact that these things work, they work every single day. And what scientists are not ask, answering the question of, who's making it work? If there's a regularity in our world, there has to be a regulator. There has to be one that's unnamed by some but named by the scriptures themselves and praised by the church as the one who's making it work, right? The one who's holding it all together. In fact, if we go to Corinthians, there's this powerful scripture in Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading, I think, in uh, uh, Colossians gracious, Uh, Colossians chapter one. uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation for in him, all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. I can't think of anything any more clear than that to say that God is regulating this world and that we can do good science, right? We can do good science because there's a God who's created a world where regularities exist, right? We can count on gravity to existing every day and every instance, every time, and therefore we can form different laws, scientific laws around that because we know that there's a God who's holding it all together. And this is what... what um. What, what, what scripture is forcing us to do, right? And what, what science even is forcing us to do is forcing us to wrestle with, to grapple with um, with whether we're going to surrender and say, there is a God who's regulating this world, who's made this thing work, or whether we're going to persevere in human stubbornness and ignorance and say, I don't understand why gravity works, but I'm going to figure it out one day. And what we see happening is the more we figure out, the more we master, the more mystery we find is lying behind our mastery. And so even with science, the more it advances, the more questions that begin to crop up. The more knowledge we gain, the more difficult and far out and complex we realize this world is. In fact, there have been many scientists of us who have said that a world this complex must have had a God who was creating who was orchestrating it, who was organizing it, because this kind of stuff just doesn't happen. You see, science itself forces us to believe in a God because science is based on regularities. And if there's regularities in our world, there has to be a regulator. There has to be a God who's holding this thing all together. And so what science challenges us to do is to let our mastery, right, The fact that there's some things that we understand in our world, right? There's some things that science has wrapped its mind around. Um, uh, And our mystery or the mystery drive us to marvel at the magnificence of the God who created it all. So the more we understand it, and we see just how complex this is, we marvel at God. I think about um, Grey's Anatomy. We, me and my wife, we watch Grey's Anatomy, and it's one of those shows that I just can't watch while I'm eating um, because they're always like cutting somebody's body open and all that kind of stuff. But it, it just, to, for me, it points me to um, it, it. It points me to how well humans have mastered science and have gotten their minds around the complexity of the human body. I mean, you just think about it. You hear about something even so simple as a a knee surgery or hip replacement. They have people, they replace somebody's knee, like cut them open, replace their knee, and they're out the hospital just like that, right? There are things that would have taken us out that there was no answer to, and science is able to uh, to, to, through science, humans are able to, uh, uh, heal and bring newness of life to people. There's different diseases that we're able to address because we understand how complex the, the, that, uh, the human body is. And, and I, I don 't pretend to even I mean it 's almost like this whenever like, um, whenever you go to the hospital and a doctor's explaining a, a, a disease and uh, how these things work it's for me because I, like I said I mean science isn't really my deal, um, but it's almost like la, la 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 I mean it's almost like that in my head because I just don't understand the terms that they're using and the concepts they're using there but 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 the thing I do understand is that they're describing something that is far too complex for my mind, and that causes me to marvel at God. The fact that we've understood to some degree just how complex this thing is. We marvel at God. And so what we do in response to science is we do let our our mastery, what we do understand or at least think we understand and what we understand is never simple. It's always complex. Let us point that to, let let, let that point us to the, the magnificence of God himself and calls us to marvel at how great God is. So what are some next steps for us, I think, coming out of this this um, ideal of the Bible and science, a world where science exists and, um, and science and faith are sometimes at odds with one another. What are some next steps for us I think the first thing is to spend some time uh, making sure that the foundation of faith in your family is firm, right? Uh, establish a firm foundation of faith in your family, right? Um, science itself is not its not scary, right? Um, it's not lurking in the alley. It's not coming for your children. Um, but here's what scriptures do teach us. Satan is that satan is spending his days strategically thinking about how he can discourage faith in our children and in our own lives as well that satan is busy doing that in fact look at um look at um first peter chapter five um i'm going to read verse verse eight listen listen to what it says it says be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour resist him stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings and so this is writing to the to the church and it's saying that um when you're going through difficult times in life you're you're particularly or uniquely weak And Satan is strategically trying to take your faith in those moments. He's coming around like a roaring lion looking for the weakest one that he can devour. It does not say that science is coming (laughs) like a roaring lion. Because that's just not the way it is. But the enemy will use anything he can get his hands on... To steal your faith. And so what we have to do in the church, what we have to do as parents, what we have to do as believers in Jesus Christ is to build a firm foundation of faith in our families because things like science will be a tool that they will use to steal our faith and cause us to turn from God and buy into a lie that was never intended to be true for us in our lives to begin with. And that's, that's, and so this is, this is great. So things like, um, things, things like, like, like coming to church. Let me just, let me just put throw that one out there. Things like coming to church and being involved in the life of a church, right? That's just, that's not just about um, making sure I'm following the rules or checking it off my list or doing a good thing that makes God happy and pleases God, right? Opening the Bible and studying it every day, right? Things like that. Things like praying um these spiritual disciplines and practices. Those aren't in our lives just to uh, make God happy, to make God Smile so that God might be pleased with us. Right? That is the process of laying a firm foundation of faith in our lives and in our families. And those things are essential because the enemy is using tools to steal our faith. And there's proof all around us that he's done that successfully and effectively. And if you think you're standing strong, right? If, if you think for a moment that you've been in the faith so long that there's no turning your back on it, right? If, if you think you can sit out, right? You're fooling yourself. Because the enemy is an expert at this and has been doing this for a long time and he's coming like a roaring lion and he'll get us. You see we have to establish a firm foundation of faith in our family. Second thing I think that we see from this discussion on faith and science is that we don't use the Bible to debate science with non believers, right? You don't use the Bible to debate science with non believers. There's one uh simple simple uh simple reason why. because um, Maybe you're a better debater than I am. I wasn't on the debate team, Um, but maybe you're better than I am. But I have never entered a debate with anybody about anything and changed their minds. I've just never done that. I've never, I've never sat down and argued anything. In fact, what what statistics show us is that whenever you debate and argue something with somebody, what that causes them to do is to dig their roots deeper into their point of view and to insist that they are right. Uh, even more, I mean, statistics even show that somebody might not really believe something that, that deeply, right? They may be just kind of like, oh, I kind of believe it. Um, but as soon as you begin debating it with them, they believe it with their all, right? They'll put their money on it as soon as you start debating it with, them. that's just the way things work. And so we, we don't debate science, right, with non-believers, because here's what, what happens. When we use the Bible as a scientific text in discussion with atheists, non-believers, the only thing we do is produce atheists who dismiss the Bible as bad science and want to have nothing to do with that God or that book. It's the only thing it does. And so we can feel like, we can even convince ourselves in our head because we're confident in ourselves that I'm going to go to an atheist and I'm going to convince him that evolution is wrong because of um, um, because my Bible says so, right? And that it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light. All right, I can go to an atheist and say, I'm going to convince him that the Big Bang Theory, evolution, all that's wrong, that God created this. And if I'm starting there, he's going to dig his heels in, and he's never going to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. In fact, what the Scriptures teach us to do is not to try to debate and argue and fight with non believers about scripture being right when it comes to science but about jesus being right the way the truth the life that jesus is the way that god intended us to live our lives and so we start there right how about we have common ground there how about we begin with jesus being the right way for us to to live our lives and so um i I think out of this discussion we got to see that we we have to stop using the bible as a way to try to debate and convince people who who don't yet believe in Jesus that God spoke and created the world. Rather, I want you to believe in Jesus. You know, we, we, we're... Um, this, is, this is kind of a sidebar, but we're, I'm going there. Um, we live in a world where the church because it's taboo, maybe, or socially, or at least we've convinced ourselves that it's socially unacceptable, where the church has not taken the responsibility that God intended it to in talking to people about Jesus Christ. Where the church has convinced itself the atheists and non-believers are going to walk in this door and hear a message about the gospel and come to know jesus through that message we are counting way too much now i I believe in the power of god's spirit to convict someone and awake them up and cause them to get in their car and drive to church and walk in these doors. i believe in that but what Jesus said is go into all the world, right? Carrying the good news of the gospel, tell people about it. And as they believe, bring them to church and baptize them. And what we're relying on is, is the church not telling anyone about Jesus and God convicting someone so that they'll walk in these doors. They'll hear about Jesus here and say, I believe. And there's a million websites out there about why evolution is false and wrong and trying to disprove and debate with non-believers about why that's just not true. And the more we do that, the less likely it's going to be for them to walk in these doors. And if they're not coming in these doors, and we're not entering conversations with them about Jesus, not debating science, but Jesus, we can complain and we can fuss about why nobody goes to church and things are getting from, going from bad to worse to worser. But unless we're doing what God has called us to do, we can't expect things to get any better. Third thing I think we can do is we can use science to enrich our faith in God. We can use science to enrich our faith in God. In fact, um, every time I, I think about how complex our creation is, right, and how complex the world is, and even this week as I was reading different science things for a very brief period of time before i just got frustrated with trying to wade through the words right um, it 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 taught me this that if there's a god who can create something as complex as this world then the chaos of my own life is a piece of cake for god that the craziness that i find myself in sometimes god is fully capable to handle that Right? If there's a God who created this world and there is and he created this world as complex as it is, and that God fully understands and regulates this world, then yeah what's what's that? God is a God is a master multitasker, right He can handle multiple things at once going on in this world and science enriches our faith in god it teaches us about the god who's able to do this yeah and that's the god we come and I mean, this should make our praise even louder. The fact that that's the God who's chosen us. That's the God who's adopted us. That's the God who loves us, right? It makes our praise even more fervent and loud and, 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 and um, excited because that's the God we serve. Third, fourth thing I want you to see is that we got to never forget that not only is Jesus Lord of your life, but he's Lord of creation. There are things in our world, as we talked about, that operate a certain way because God established them to work that way. But God is Lord of creation. That means when we see him do things like um, heal the sick, he can do things that defy creative order. Right? He can take away disease that should be terminal. He can heal bodies that doctors have given up on because he's Lord of creation. He's not just Lord of our lives, but he can live in a way that defies science and causes things to happen that shouldn't happen because he's Lord of creation. You see, the more we learn science, the more we become often, and this is one of the reasons I think there's this enmity between Christian faith and science. The more we learn science, the more we learn how regular things are in our world and the more we assume that that's just the way it's going to be and the less we believe that god is able to heal it fix it change it but if we believe in a god who's lord of creation we believe in a god who nothing is outside of his grasp and his power and his might I believe that God does heal the sick. It's in the Scriptures. The Bible tells us so. I believe God does give people the ability to recover from terminal situations in their lives. As we saw in this last series, that the resurrection teaches us that graves have been redefined and that grave, the grave is not the end any longer. I believe in that God. And the Bible tells us that the one who has faith can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. What is impossible, be done. And God can do it. So we can't let something that's so simple as science Still, from us a faith that believes in a God who can defy it and who will. But I'll rather we offer up every situation, every problem, every issue we face to God and we trust Him with it. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity to study these scriptures. And God, I just pray... Um, I pray more than than anything else. God, I pray for our church. God, I pray for everyone in this room. Because there's a scripture that talks about us not being taken out of this world, but living fully in it. And God... The, scriptures teach us that you don't want us retreating from this world into our Christian bubbles where we can control what's taught and what we can control what we hear. But rather you want us standing on a firm foundation of faith so that we can encounter things in this world that the enemy would use to still our faith. And we can use those To grow our faith. God, please use what was intended for evil. For our good. And for the building up of this world. Please use what sometimes is scary. And what some fear will take away faith. To build faith. To grow our faith. Please God. Make us a people who are busy laying the foundation of our faith. So that we can stand in the midst of generation upon generation. Of people who praise the one true God, and God, make us a people who are busy, who are desperate for people to come to know Jesus Christ. The one from whom all this originated and the one who is holding it all together. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.